As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well, don't fight the future. In Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that knows how to stop Luka Doncic. You just ask him very nicely, not to score on you. It's not that hard. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. I just published a piece about how to stop Luka Doncic. And my editor, Mike Prada, um, is someone who, in fact, edited this piece. That's what editors do. You know, it's the great thing about editors. Uh, he's also someone who has written and talked and thought a lot about things like this. Basically, the idea of strategy and scheme and the way that players like Luka Doncic are basically breaking uh, conventional defenses. And in some ways, you could even argue the modern NBA. Um, that's what I was trying to convey in the piece. And usually, you know, I'd flip this question around and I'd have people ask me, you know, what my main takeaways from the piece were. But Prada, Mike, as someone who <laughs> this is like exactly your lane. What was your takeaways from this piece I wrote? Uh, it's on The Athletic this morning on Wednesday. Uh, go check it out uh, if you haven't. But what was your takeaways from this story about how just impossible it is to truly slow down and stop a player like Luca? Yep. Takeaway number one is I'm glad he's playing better. So we had a reason to actually publish this story that we had talked about two months ago. Yeah, we thought about it for like legitimately two two months before it finally came to fruition. Yeah, go all think all good things come to those who wait. Uh, yeah, that was my first takeaway. I mean, the other one is, is just, and this actually hits an interesting. I don't know how deep inside the edit curtain you want readers to get with this, but one of the discussions, Happy to. one of the discussions we had during the edit process is you know a granular thing that I think actually was was sort of a major topic that sort of this illustrated was what do we call the subheads? I know I had this idea that we didn't end up going with um, because we correctly kind of agree that it just sort of made it too uniform, but the spirit of the exercise I thought was still present in the story you wrote is what if you start every single subhead with don't do this, don't do this. And in my head, my thought was when I proposed that idea was like, 
there sure is a whole lot of things you can't do <laughs> to stop this right. guy. And that might actually convey it. And we ended up not doing that, but I think that was my main takeaway. It's like, oh, hey, here's the plan. Just like don't do all these things that are impossible not to do. And that's what yeah. it is like to stop Luka Doncic. And that was sort of the takeaway I had there. What's interesting too is that you can say all sorts of players are unstoppable, right? You know, I work with Will Guillory a lot on the Pelicans. We could write the Zion Williamson is unstoppable. Uh, the LeBron James, I've worked with Johan Buha a lot. You know, he's unstoppable. But there's something about Luka where, like, him being unstoppable is not just a question of how do you stop him. It is a question of how do you stop the scheme. That it's actually not just a player-specific question. It's a, it's a question of, like, that a coach has to ask themselves, what do I draw up to stop this single player? And I think that was sort of the one thing I wanted – I thought it was awesome that we – talking to all these coaches is that it's not the Mavericks that necessarily keep them up at night. It's Luka Doncic alone. And that is unique. Yeah, I think so. And and obviously I think there's a lot of weight uh, given to, you know, I talked to Stan Van Gundy for the story and he told me, you know, this is a direct quote from Stan Van Gundy as an offensive player. If you encompass all of his strengths, you put them all together. I think he's the best I've seen. He's incredible. Like that. Mm-hmm. There, certainly there's, there's weight to that. There's weight to, the, you know, Stan Van Gundy saying that, in a way that that you or me saying that uh, does not have, and, and certainly it really did stand out. And you know, I picked a few quote uh, coaches and various pregame interviews, questions I asked them, questions that you know, a- answers they just came up with on their own. Um, I picked a few head coaches to quote in the story, ones that I thought had very you know specific ways of talking about Luca. I'm going to tell you that pretty much every time I go to a pregame press conference and asked a question in some semblance of, how do you stop Luka Doncic? Every one of them says this. Because it's not just, it, it's a different challenge than kind of the challenges you were outlining with Zion and LeBron. Uh, incredible players in their own right. But there are players that are unstoppable in, in, in a sense of like, well, you know how to defend them, it just doesn't work. With Luka, there's, an at, least, there's at least an idea that you could maybe find some way. Because... All season, people have been trying different ways. Mm-hmm. It's just that none of them have worked. Over and over again, none of them have worked. And like you were referencing, the idea of don't do this. You know, you can start with, okay, don't let him pick, run pick and roll and throw lob passes. Don't let him shoot step backs on the left side. But pretty quickly, <laughs> you're getting to the point where you're just saying, don't let him shoot or dribble or pass. That's basically which, it. Yeah. Right. And as as far as I know, they have yet to invent an NBA scheme that can fully stop a player from doing those yeah. three things. I mean, the structure of the piece is essentially, okay, don't let him just run, pick, and roll. Okay. But don't let him switch and then target a player. But also, if you're going to shade him one way, don't shade him right because he's really good at passing away. But like, you also kind of don't want to shade him left because of his step back. And if you're going to do something weird, do something weird, but don't make it too weird that's predictable. So you basically, that's essentially we have arrived at the don't let him pass, dribble, or shoot segment of the program. You know, the only guy that I think is comparable, like I know I'm sure Mavs fans may or may not like this compa- off-use comparisons, but is like Harden, where it's like you're stopping an offense unto itself. But I think the difference with Luka is that, you know, Harden's got his pet move. You know, you get the step back. There's sort of like kind of a... Like you said, there's a we, you know what to do. It's how to do it. That's the problem. I think with Luca, there's something about 
the way that he is so obviously developed counters to every possible question that it's much easier for us to understand. You know, maybe it's because he plays so slowly uh, and the way he moves. Maybe it's, you know, because of his intelligence. But there is a very, like, I think, clear step-by-step, like, he's really good at doing this, so we stop this. But then he has this counter that he's become really good at, so we stop that. And then there's this counter, and we stop that. I think it's much easier. Maybe this is more of a, a... fan question or coach question it's much easier i think to identify what those things are that makes it such a unique challenge you know where you can have this step-by-step process in a way that you maybe can't with you know at a certain point like you said there's like a well then you should stop this well you just can't stop that it's almost like you're like doing a mathematical proof and you arrive at the end of the proof that's like uh what, what do they say at the end of a mathematical proof it's like Therefore, this, this is, is how it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's sort of like kind of how it is with a lot of players. But Luca, it feels like you could go on that endless proof forever and you just never reach an end. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to kind of go through a few aspects of the piece, you know, where I started was pick and roll and the idea that you should not guard him conventionally or traditionally. That can mean a lot of things. And I think at one point, you know, actually during the edit process, you're like, hey, Let's let's actually break this down and explain this. Like, what does traditional and conventional mean? To mm-hmm. me, it basically represents the idea that you let Luca get some dis. You know, you let him get towards the basket with his role man, and yeah. and the idea that there is you know there is momentum from two different players headed towards the rim. Um, you know, there's a lot of schemes that can do that. Drop coverages uh, is probably increasingly the most predominant version of that. Uh, but, you know, certainly you see show and recover. You see other versions of that. We don't, you know, at the at the risk of getting too nerdy about that, I, I think what was interesting, most interesting to me, was finding that there's a clear st- statistical trend yeah, that Luca is running less of these. And we know mm-hmm. Luca is not running less of these just because he got bored of them. Luca is good enough that he, he is good enough in so in many areas of his game and at basketball, that he will run what the defense gives him. And so in a lot of ways, the type of ways he does his offense is dictated by the defense. It's also why I kind of started, you know, with a defensive approach to how do you guard Luka, because how Luka's going to play is so often dictated by what the other team chooses to do, right. and then he just goes to that counter. Um, what do you think of, of this trend that I that I found um, that, you know, you could see and in, in if you watch yeah. the Mavericks that there's less drop coverage and, and, you know, just less, you know, less times that Luke is going to find a, a rolling big man. Um, in fact, usually it's maybe for like a couple plays to start a half um, or even just a game and then teams quickly switch out of it. That That is something that if, if you've watched the Mavericks over the past few years, you've definitely seen Luca just instantly find the roll man. And that's the first thing teams are like, okay, we can't give him, you know, right. a 90% chance at a two-point basket uh, that he's, that he's you know, lobbing up to a teammate. Um, th- that's the right approach, you think? Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it mirrors in some ways, like, sort of what's happening league-wide. I don't, I don't know what the league-wide numbers on, like, kind of what's considered a pick-and-roll usage are, but I think in general, you are seeing just more people. I mean, if you're just sort of thinking about what the pick-and-roll does – in a basic sense, it creates a two-on-one situation for a certain amount of time, or right. I guess a one-on-two if you're trapped. And what you're essentially saying is that teams aren't letting Luka Doncic get to that two-on-one. They're keeping it one-on-one, right, in right, some right, shape, right. way, shape, or form. So I think that's somewhat league-wide. I think 
it's also somewhat specific to, you know, yeah, you give Luca a man advantage, he's going to find the right player. He's that brilliant of a passer, that manipulative with the ball, that kind of much of a standard operator. That yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of like you said that that that's a very obvious trend that makes sense to me. Uh is you you're just trying to keep it one-on-one as much as possible. Um, the other interesting part, and this is something that we didn't necessarily get to in this piece, but I think is sort of an interesting theme throughout the season that we've talked about on different pieces that you've done, is part of that is also a way of freezing out his teammates, you know, where he he has even less surrounding talent around him now with Jalen Brunson gone, that if you keep it to one-on-one, He'll dribble around a lot. He'll almost stop himself. The rest, the other team teammates will stop himself, and they'll be out of the play, just standing around waiting for him. And in some ways, that kind of cuts Luca off from his teammates, which in a set, in theory, cuts him off from his most his best asset. So I think that is also something that I think is happening, particularly after the Warriors series, where it felt like they didn't really trap him very much they didn't really send to the ball a ton they did some hedge and recover stuff but they mostly switched and stayed at home and they, they shaded kind of, and there's a lot of sh- shading yeah they did some shading but it was a very little outright double team and what what kind of happened is that luca and his team they sort of became separate from each other i think that that trend is i've seen a lot more of that this year where the you're almost like kind of i think maybe you can tell the story of the one of the the joke is that like luca just let him score 60. That's the plan because nobody else will score any points. In some ways, that actually is kind of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't end up including this in the piece, but I've I've mentioned this on uh, on this podcast before. And, you know, just the idea that I was talking to someone who works with the Mavericks and they're, you know, they're joking with me that the other 29 teams should collude, you know, hop on a phone call and be like, all right, if we just make Luca score the rest of the season, he's going to get so tired by the end of it. Yeah, that that, you know, it's that's going to be the one way that teams can actually stop him just by, you know, all agreeing to worrying him out. But it's there's a bit of a, um, you know, obviously it's a joke, but it's it's almost like a prisoner's dilemma where on an on any given night, one team might believe they do have a better way to stop him. Um, You know, I wrote about Toronto, for example, and I wrote about the idea that, um, you know, if you're going to play him one on one and you want to mostly trust your defenders to guard him one-on-one you know in those situations that you're still going to have to send help at some point mm-hmm. and whenever you're consistently sending help at luca driving to the rim basically what you're betting is that the three-point shooters on the mavericks just aren't going to hit shots and that's worked this season we've seen the mavericks lose games because those role players just don't hit the threes and because they can't they you know they don't have dynamic enough role players that you know, can consistently create better shots than semi-contested threes against an aggressive closeout. But that is taking, that is a defensive strategy that takes the results out of your hands and it puts it into, you know, the, the hands of the shooters. To some extent, every defensive scheme is like that. But I think if you're giving up semi-contested, you know, 50 semi-contested threes to a pretty decent shooting team, you know, above average, if not, I don't believe they're a top 10 shooting team. But, you know, they're above average and they have some shooters that are coming around. You're really, really taking the results of what that defensive scheme can do and just gambling. And teams don't want to do that. They want to come up with something that they feel they have some level of control over. And that's why you keep seeing different 
you know, versions and events of what teams are trying to do, you know, and, and it, it can be as drastic as the New York Knicks never sending help, you know, not mm-hmm. even helping off three point shooters. Poor the most Quentin part. Grimes, man. Poor Quentin Grimes. I feel bad for yeah, him. Yeah, just him on an island just getting cooked. But Tom Thibodeau's like, we're not giving up threes. Or mm-hmm. you can have it the other way around where the Lakers were just doubling him on Christmas Day relentlessly, getting the ball out of his hands. And then the Mavericks had a 50, 51 point quarter. 51, 50, 51 point yeah, quarter. 51 yeah, 51 point quarter. Uh, because, you know, those double teams came and Luca found the open shooters. And all of a sudden, you know, the rhythm of catch and shoot jumpers started to click. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen such a wide range of extremes. You know, I, I mentioned Toronto a little bit ago. They're the team that has limited Luca to the least uh, field goal attempts uh, this season. Both of those games, he only took 15 shots. Uh, yep. He's taken at least 16 in every other game he's played in this season. Even the one he got ejected from in the early fourth quarter. You know, like every single one, he's taken more than that. So you can get weird mm-hmm. and you can junk it up. You can play gimmicky defenses like Toronto does. Gimmicky defenses that, to be fair, work. You know, gimmicky no, in the no, sense that they're, you don't they're see gimmicky them often. Defenses. It's okay. okay. They're gimmicky defenses. We can, you, you can never play them gotta, for 48 we, minutes. We don't got to be the to be fair thing to Toronto this year. They're bad. They're gimmicky <laughs> defenses. Right. <laughs> so you can do a lot of things to change the way Luka plays against you. It's just at the end of the day, you know, with the exception of some games where his shot, you know, he's just off or he's tired. You know, and he's had some games where he's looked exhausted and has not played as well. Mm-hmm. Or in the games where his teammates just are not hitting shots. That's mostly where the Mavericks offense has failed. Doesn't mean that Mavericks defense hasn't lost game. Doesn't mean that weird stuff hasn't happened. But for the most part, when we're looking at good offensive performances, the Mavericks have had, and they're pushing into the, you know, they're, I believe, fifth or sixth in the league right now, pushing into the top five, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the way Luca's playing. Um, you're just not going to hold them to anything worse than at least an average night you know a, a league average sort of yeah night. and you that the, is what luca enables yeah you had this stat that if like you literally didn't sw- it just switched everything and never had a mistake they'd still be 15th in offense in the piece that that yeah. was really good you know ideally you get both right ideally you get a tired luca added out of rhythm shooters i think that that's what kind of what all these teams are going for is you get by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, he's tired and they're out of rhythm. Uh, what's interesting, I mean, one of the things I know we were I, when we talked through this piece way back in November, as as we were talking through it, I think we want to get across is just this is like the level of discipline that's required to stay in what you're trying to do against Luca is so high uh, because of the way he plays, and you know you can say like, hey, I want to, we want to switch. I think that we were talking about this during one of the Nets games, I remember, um, offline about how they wanted to switch, but then like kind of the fourth quarter rolled. It might've been the one in Brooklyn early in the season. They were like kind of were switching and not helping, but then they couldn't help themselves. Right. I think it was the Nets game in Brooklyn where they started to send help, or maybe it was Utah. It was some, one of these games. And that, that is Orlando. It definitely happened. Orlando was a, yeah, maybe it was Orlando. It was one of those games. And, you know, that really is what it is in a nutshell. To guard Luka Doncic and to build a plan to guard Luka Doncic is a dis... It's less about what you're doing than having a, a, a battle of wills almost where, you know, he wants to force you out of what you're trying to do through his, like, just manipulation and you just have to stay with it. Yeah. You know, he, they're going to make some shots. He's going to make some plays and you just have to hope that 
you're not the one that tires mentally in the fourth quarter. He is. And when he tires and his teammates are out of rhythm because he's been handling the ball so much, that's the double whammy that you got in some of those Warriors games and when they lose. That's what you want. Um, but it to get to that point is just such a mental drain. I just thought one of the points of doing the piece the way we did is just to show like these are all the things you have to do at the same time to stay with it, like to illustrate how difficult it is to do all of that stuff at once. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And I think the place to end this is is how far can this go and, and where does this fail? It's stuff we've talked about throughout the podcast, but to very clearly illustrate it, this works. The Mavericks are going to finish the year with the top five offense. Um, you know, they if if you're their putting offense, it in, you're putting it in permanent market at this point. Of course, of course. I was you predicting so? early this season. They they went through a, a long, you know, an extended slump where they had me worried for a little bit. Now with the way Luca's playing. Um, and again, it's not, it's not even the way he's playing. He's been playing like this all season. Mm-hmm. Um, but with some shooters coming around, Christian Wood in the starting lineup with, uh, you know, Jason Kidd being the last one in particular, Christian Wood starting, I think has really turbocharged things. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, the, the first 11 games where JaVale McGee was, you know, pushed in to, you know, the, you know, for what, don't want to revisit that, but <laughs> the, 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 the JaVale McGee lineups were horrendous and mm-hmm. they overcame that and they've they figured it out and everything's everything's clicking clicking now in a, in a, in a you know in a very hyper efficient way um but yeah look it's it's this is not going to work forever um you know so so the mavericks lost to the warriors and there was actually a comment on the piece that asked you know maybe you should have talked a little bit more about the warrior series because luca you know he struggled in that series. His efficiency was way down. I would say that I would say two things. First off, 
one of the things the Warriors did really effectively was a scheme that Stan Van Gundy uh, calls out and says, hey, I really like that scheme. You should use that against Luca. I'll, uh, I'll leave it to the imagination. Go read the piece. Go subscribe if you don't. Um, but it's, it's clever and it's smart and it is a you know, kind of smart way to approach not Luca specifically, but the fact that his role players have some limitations. Right. Now, to be clear, what Tim, was, to be clear what Tim's ahead. talking about, by the way, is just there's a clip of the Sun series um, to talk about the defense that Stan was playing. But like the Warriors decided, are doing it too. The Warriors are doing it too. We just sort of thought that, that you only get like one clip to show. We right. actually, in this case, me. So you can blame me if you want, readers. Just thought that was the best example of the trend, but doesn't mean that the Warriors didn't do it. Just to be clear, yeah. like the Warriors were very much doing the same thing. So the other thing, though, is that I thought Luca just looked exhausted by the time the Warriors series came around. I thought a lot of the Mavericks look ex- looked exhausted. And that is... We're gonna keep coming back to this. Uh, you know, I know this is your first time on first time on the podcast, Breda. Maybe second. First, or I second. don't know. I don't know. But any everybody who listens to the podcast knows that we talk extensively about the team's roster, the Mavericks roster, team building. This is an incomplete roster. It has flaws. It has limitations. And letting Luca be the offense is it can be a lot of fun, like it has been on this winning streak. And it is when he's scoring 50 games, three times in six games, you know, 50 points, three times in six games. There we go. Um, But it's ultimately, you know, he has to have more help because at some point he's going to run out of gas. In some games, we've even seen him run out of gas. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, you know, the Mavericks have rested him three times and there's probably some more coming up. And so that is ultimately why, you know, as good as this is. And as sustainable as this is, if you, you know, find ways to have other versions of the offense that you mix in once you get another player next to him, um, you know, it's it's something that stops short of title contention and in the Mavericks, you know, realistically being there this season. Yeah. I mean what Jason can say, the wood always wins. Um, was that the quote that he had back in DC earlier this year? It was something, it was something to that extent. Yeah. Um you know me. I love. I love these when there's sort of a parallel theme that runs through multiple store, multiple elements, and I search for that. You know, we we have these conversations all the time. It's the same thing we've talked about before. Extrapolated over a season versus a game versus a quarter versus a possession. It's it's discipline. Can something can work effectively for a while, but you know, does the defense bend first or does Luca bend first? And that's just that's the same story played out over the whole season, you know, with or even a whole game or a whole possession, you know, when you play this style. And that's really the question. And what you're speaking to is just that the answer is probably I mean, you said, well, I just thought Luca was exhausted. Series. I mean, it's probably true that playing this way exhausts Luca. So that's just sort of the bet you're making. You know? Right. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. It, that, it's the same thing. You get thing. that deep into the playoffs. And then you ask him to face an even tougher defense that has worked even harder to take away right. some of the things he's most comfortable with, and he's going to wear out before you have a you know a realistic chance to win. Right. So. I mean, it's the same element of like when he's dribbling a lot against the switch, he's a bit, he's gambling that the defense will wear out before him, but like after a while, the defense will wear like won't wear out. I mean, that's the game. Yeah. It's it's the same process played out over. A longer period, and what what I think the obviously this is not a new th- concept for fans to think through, but 
the real question beyond personnel, uh, you know, getting better personnel in, which is probably key number one, is just is it worth it to sacrifice some of that like kind of process earlier in there to have more later on? And what are the trade-offs to doing that? You know, does Luca need to do less to do more later? I mean, that's the eternal question. And with this roster, th- probably not. But yeah. going forward, that is the enormous question that's that this team is facing. Yeah, I would say you know, eighty-five to ninety percent of it is you need better players to do that. But there, you know, that does five per. I mean, this is the same question we ask of Trey Young. You know, this is why basketball is hard to evaluate. You know, there is a uh, there is a sort of what's the word I'm looking for? God damn it, I can't talk right now. The um, diminishing returns on certain numbers right. and accumulation, and you know, for one person to take a li- like a five percent step back, that could mean the team suffers by 20% or it could mean that the team gets 20% better. There's like wacky math that happens with basketball. And so that's the question that will always be asked about Luca is if he did, if he dialed it back just a little bit, if they found some ways for him not to have to be the sort of constant mental wizard that he is, but still manage to be effective, does that pay off in a fresher Luca in the Warrior series? And is that worth the cost of to the team and to Luca to do that? I mean, in a weird way, like just to make this national, I mean, Atlanta's having the same problems with Trey Young this year. You know, when they bring in DeJounte Murray, they're telling Trey Young, you've got to be 10% less of this guy you were. And they're struggling. But Trey Young's been worse than ever. You know, it has affected his play to have to do that. And the team has not been better for it. So it doesn't always work out that way. And these are the challenges that, you know, would come up whether there's a new player or whether there's a new style. So it's hard, but that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're Dallas. So I think that's a really good point that you're making, Prada. But have you considered that it's a lot of fun to watch a 60 point game? Oh, that was fun. A lot of yeah. fun. Didn't, didn't so, watch it live. I was, uh, so in very selfish reasons, I'm just going to say, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Who cares? You know, we can we can deal with Luca being tired in April. That's an April problem. So. You know what? You know what I like better than the sixty point game in uh, December. One in April. One, One in, in April, May. May and June. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the part to think points. about. That's the part but, to think uh, about. I think that's a but good you know what? In this, no guarantee he gets that in April, May, and June. So, do we take the shirt thing in December, or do we take the? possibility of something in april may and june it's a hard decision isn't it it makes you think it makes you think freda thank you for coming on uh thank you for editing the piece and many more of them uh and we've got some more fun stuff coming uh go buy uh, mike's book spaced out uh it goes far deeper into concepts similar and not at all similar to what we talked about with luca and the way teams defend him uh that piece is on the athletic we will have one more episode this week, uh, so look out for that. It will be after the Boston game. That felt like a big one that is worth talking about. Uh, so we'll be back then. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, and we will see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca Big Dick. From the home of Melania Trump How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future It tears me apart Don't fight the future Please be nice to Luca Future four-time MVP Oh, too 
bad.